0: of death, and of late the idea has come with alarming frequency, I seem at peace with the idea that a day will dawn when I will no longer be among those living in this valley of strange humors. I can accept the idea of my own demise, but I am unable to accept the death of anyone else. I find it impossible to let a friend or relative go into that country of no return. This belief becomes my close companion and anger follows in its wake. I answer the heroic question, Death, where is thy sting? With, it is here in my heart and mind and memories. Queen Maya Angelou, when I think of death. I'm DJ Jazzy J, and this is episode five of the Mental Wealth Podcast. I want to shout all of you guys out. Thank you so much for listening. Many people are just being put onto the podcast. And I, I just want to thank you all for coming and listening. Let me start by saying, I hate Thursdays. I hate Thursdays. Remember that. I hate Thursdays. There's a quote about grief. It says, the only cure for grief is to grieve. But how do I grieve if I don't even know grief if I don't even understand it, let me take you back to the mind of an impressionable 14 year old boy it's 2007 I'm in high school finishing up my freshman year I have a bunch of friends Acquaintances, popular. I have a very close friend. Someone that I shared a, a an amazing bond with. Our birthdays were separated by just twenty-two days. I felt super protective of her. I felt Like a big brother, a best friend, someone who cared about her extremely, a protector. On May 10th, 2007, she was killed in an accidental shooting. But before I get there, I remember that day. It was a Thursday. (laughs) And I remember seeing her that day before she left. Wishing her well, so full of energy, life, laughter the most beautiful smile, curly hair, beautiful eyes, just a great spirit to be around. Later that day, she would lose her life. Now I won't share the full details of our conversation that day, but I'll say that the next day I come into school Someone pulls me aside and says, did you hear? Patricia died. "What, What do you, what do you mean? No, she's, she's gone. And they're still looking for the person that killed her. I fell to the floor. crying uncontrollably. I had to go to the nurse's office because people were teasing me that I was crying and they didn't know why I was crying. But she was gone. A few days later, well, before I get to a few days later, I remember not even being able to tell my mom and my dad what was going on with me. Why? Because the person that killed her that eventually turned themselves in initially told the police that a black man had done it. And because I wasn't aware if I was one of the last people to have seen her before she passed, I had to keep that to myself. 14 years old, freshman in high school, no worries in the world, I had the wherewithal to keep that to myself because I was afraid that I would be viewed as a suspect because they were looking for a tall black male and I fit the description. So I knew enough at 14 to know I'm a black male, I'm tall. If that description is out, I fit it. I had been pulled aside by a police officer Years before, just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, because I fit the description. So due to that trauma, I knew I couldn't tell anyone that. And I didn't. And even when the rightful person turned themselves in and was prosecuted, I kept silent. For years, I blamed myself for her death. Sometimes I, I, I still do. I felt like I felt like I had had failed to protect her. I go to the funeral home, all my funeral home, and. I saw her laying there, so beautiful, so innocent, at peace. I didn't know what that meant, what what it was. I, I was just 14 years old. You, you grow up and you just think that you'll never die. You're just a kid. I had seen people in my family. My grand—both of my grandfathers died in the mid '90s. I was three, four years old. I remember vaguely people in my place of worship had passed away. I had seen plenty of caskets and 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 uh, dead bodies, viewings, but nothing prepared me to see one of my best friends lying there, helpless. Lifeless. There was no more beautiful smile or colorful hair or beautiful eyes. What lay there was just her physical body, but her spirit was gone. It was a Thursday that she died. I hate Thursdays. Not even a year later, another one of my best friends, his name was Jonathan. And Jonathan skipped school one day. I believe he had skipped and he had left early. And when friends came home from school that day, around 2, 2.30, they found him hanging From a tree. This was on January 31st, 2008. And that too. Was a Thursday. Just weeks. Literally weeks. Before his 16th birthday. On February 15th. I don't understand it. I still don't understand it. One taken. One taken. One by their own hands, one by another's hands. I'm 14. I'm 15. What, what, What is life? Nothing prepares you to be that young and impressionable and ignorant and to see someone you know that's died. To those listening right now who have lost someone, if you've ever seen someone die, witnessed a killing, witnessed a death, or witnessed someone pass away peacefully at home with family and friends, if you've ever seen someone that you've loved lay there, gone, I feel your pain. There is no pain. Like that. See, it's different when you hear the watch, the news, you hear people pass away, you see the, the shootings. Yes, those things can touch you. Shootings like Sandy Hook touched me. It made me tear up to see five and six-year-olds lose their life. But when you know someone, you've loved someone, you've cared about someone, and you're with them up until their last moments, nothing prepares you. For that. Grief affects people differently. How do you grieve? You know, they say here's a quote the irony of grief is that the person you need to talk to about how you feel is the person who's no longer here. If I could just rewind the hands of time and go back and just tell you, don't go there, please. I need you here. I can't lose you. If I could just take your, your pain away, your sickness, your disease away. If I could just tell you, don't go into that mall. Don't go into that school, please don't. I need you here. You see, death is that one thing is so final. No matter what you might believe in that happens to us after we die, it doesn't take away the pain it feel you feel when someone dies. And many people will out there and say to particularly parents of, of people who've lose a child, well God needed another angel. Huh? Why my child? You, you, it may think, you may think it sounds good, but then it leads to more questions. It doesn't change the fact that I will never see or speak to my loved one again. To mothers out there who've had to deliver stillborn children who have had miscarriages, who have lost children, who have struggled to get pregnant, my heart goes out to you. Because there's no grief like a mother losing their child, even their unborn child. And no one can understand that pain, but someone else who's been through that shoes. For some people in the world to tell you, get get over it. it, uh, You can't get over something like that. Those those feelings, even if you go on to have ch- children, that thought, that feeling of losing a child stays with you. But some will tell you to just get past it, to just move on. Well, what if I can't move on? <laughs> 14 years later, I still hate Thursdays. You might hate Thursdays because it ain't Friday. <laughs> it's like that day in between hump day and Friday. Well, Friday's here. Can we get Friday to be here? I hate Thursdays because I lost two of my best friends on a Thursday. And I can't go back. I can't fix it. No matter how hard. I might try, no matter how much I may want to. I can't change it. I hate Thursdays. This story about my friend that I lost, I kept inside the fact that I had spent time with them before they died, I kept that in for so long. 13 years it was not until last year when I finally spoke to my wife and told her so she could understand what I was going through i I, I broke down and told her the truth and even then she couldn't really she she wanted to be there but she couldn't relate because she had she had been blessed to have not lost anyone ever. No family, no friends. She had not known anyone personal that had passed away. But she was there for me. And I love you for that. So at the time, she was not even my mother, my father, my brothers. She was the only one who knew. And then I told someone who I view as my little sister, because I wanted her to understand why I felt the way about her that I feel. That she, in some strange way, reminded me of Patricia, her personality, her hair, the fact that she likes to be outgoing and dance and funny and laugh and have a great time. It reminded me of my friend. And it was weird because Patricia was actually 22 days older than me but I was the tall, big teddy bear, the big bro. And this little sister of mine, we're, we're about nine years. Nine years is a long time. <laughs> like, I think, I think about that sometimes. Like nine years, I was 21 drinking alcohol and you were like 12 in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> and your biggest worries was like riding a bike and I was out there drinking and clubbing and doing a bunch of stuff I shouldn't be doing. That's a big age gap. But no matter that gap, I still saw her within my little sister and I felt so indebted that I had to protect you at all cost. Maybe a little overbearing, a little overprotective, too much love. The wife would tell me, hey, you favor her too much over your other family. Maybe so because I refused to lose someone else because I blamed myself. I blamed me that it was somehow I could have done something different. I should have done. I I should have, could have, would have. So with all my friendships today, especially the little sisters that I love so much. I'm the overprotective one. I'll die for you. I'll give my life for you. Because I already lost someone that important to me. And I don't want to feel that loss. See, it's almost, it's a little selfish for me to say, but I'd rather, I tell people sometimes, I'd rather go before you. I'd rather go before my mother my father because I don't want to have to deal with that type of loss. It's selfish, I know, I'm human. I don't want to have to bury you because I don't know how I will react. Someone who already goes through mental illness issues, that might just put me over the edge and I can't deal with it. I'd rather you bury me than me bury you. Sometimes I think maybe I wasn't meant to live that long, 30, 30, 40, I don't know but I can't deal with losing people that mean the world to me. I've lost too many. None more impactful than being 14 years old on May 10th, 2007 and being 15 years old on January 31st, 2008. There's no book, there's no verse, there's no song that prepares you for what's that? What is that like to look at a lifeless body? To see someone gone that you knew in life, to only be able to remember them from pictures, from stories, from your memory. It hurts. Here's a quote about grief. The, re- the reality is that you will grieve forever. You will not get over the loss of a loved one. You will learn to live with it. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same. Nor should you be the same, nor would you want to. Now, I disagree with one thing. I don't think I'll ever be whole again. I think that a piece of me died on May 10th, 2007. And now I spend each day of my life trying to make up for it, trying to make amends that if I could just if I could just be the best big brother, if I could just be uh, someone, the best, best friend, the best, best man. If I could just impact and influence somebody's life positively. Then I've done something. In my Instagram bio, I literally have, I highlight the highlights because time is bleeding. See, every day, if you know, if you follow me on social media, I I go into my time bank and I post memories of my life. It reminds me of how far I've come, where I don't want to go back to, but it reminds me of the joyful moments, even in the midst of a depression, it gives me something to look forward to to remind myself of all the moments that I've lived. I post them and sometimes I go through and maybe it was a time I took a break from social media and it'll be like a blank on the calendar, it'll be nothing for a month. But I like to post those memories, those good moments. If I'm having difficulties in my marriage, I post some good stuff to remind us of where we were, of what we could be. If I'm having relationship issues with friends, I post good memories to remind myself of what we were. And even if that's all it'll ever be, it's the memory. At least I have that. And when I go, hopefully all my friends and my family, those who love me, will be able to remember me from this podcast, from my own voice, play back these recordings You'll be able to remember me from the times we danced, we laughed, we played, we cried together. Because then really, in the end, that's all we have. See, 14 years ago, I didn't have that. I have about three or four pictures of my friend. That's it. 2007, I didn't even have a phone. Facebook wasn't even really a thing yet. I think I made my Facebook in 2008. It's still MySpace. If you listen to this and don't know what MySpace is, I'm just old. I'm sorry. In my Instagram bio, I have create, influence, impact, legacy. In that order. That's my goal. Can I impact lives? Can I change lives? Can I save lives? This podcast could be a means to do that. But I'm overprotective of the people I love. I love so much. I put so much into relationships because I've lost so much. And it still haunts me to this day to just, it's not a day that goes by that I don't think. Could I go back and fix something? Could I get me a DeLorean machine? Shout out to Michael J. Fox and Marty. Could I, Marty McFly, and go back and change it? But even as tragic as those losses were in my life, it's made me better. It's it's changed my outlook forever. And it's why I hurt so much when the people that I love hurt me. Because I would never do them the same. How are you grieving? How are you dealing with someone that you lost? My prayer is that you got a chance to tell them how you felt about them before they were gone. So often people die and we're so quick to write these stories, these long messages about how we felt. But you never told them that when they were alive. Sometimes time runs out. I say all the time that time is bleeding. It's bleeding. It's like an is a bleed that can't stop that you can't plug. Because you are as 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 young as you'll ever be today. You are closer to death than you are probably to when you were born. For some, maybe not. But the point is that time is escaping. We can't get it back. You, money comes and goes, but time is gone. I'll never be able to go back to 2007 to 2008. You won't be able to go back to the day that you lost that person that you care about, that you love. Here's my final quote about grieving. Vicki Harrison, grief is like the ocean. It comes on waves, ebbing and flowing. Sometimes the water is calm and sometimes it's overwhelming. All we can do is learn to swim. Do you feel that? Do you miss somebody out there? It's okay to miss somebody. Four years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, more people, not everyone, can't say everyone, most people have lost somebody. I mentioned a few minutes ago, my wife last year couldn't relate per se because she hadn't lost someone. But a few months ago, that changed. Her father passed away. She's the only biological child of her father. So I can't even imagine what that pain is because my father is still living. And I cannot speak intelligently for her as to her feelings and emotions. She only could do that. But here's what I could say, is that she had mentioned to me before that she had never lost someone. So imagine your first loss of someone you loved and cared about to be the person that helped give you life. To to look at them slowly leaving this world to look at them lying lifeless, gone. You know, the day that he he passed, we were on our way to go see him. Her stepmother reached out to me. I was asleep and my wife woke me up a few hours later. So hey, we don't think he might not make it until Tuesday. This was a Sunday. long as I live, I'll never forget this. So my wife says, hey, you know, we have plans. We're going to a gathering in the afternoon, but I think it might be good to go see my dad today, say our goodbyes. Obviously, she wasn't ready for that, but I woke up around 10 o'clock or so I said, babe, and they lived, her father and her stepmother lived about 45 minutes away. I says, babe, let's go now. He says, you, you sure? You sure? We can, we can go later. We don't have to go right now. I says, we can go later. I know you have other plans for us, but can we just go sometime? I says, babe, part of me was like, hey, I want to knock it out early so that if we do have our plans later, we can do that. But the other part of me in my mind just said, go now. Get my wife over there. She needs me with her. Let me get her there now. I do like literally she was surprised because I just threw on some sweatpants or hoodie like just I didn't care what I I was. We're going. Let's go. We'll get we'll get some breakfast. I said, hey, even if your your stepmom says, hey, she's not, you know, she needed to get, you know, plastic bags and hospital gowns for us to go in and, and see him. He was in hospice. I said, hey, we'll worry about that later. Let's just get to that side of the water. Let's get over there. We'll grab breakfast, kill time if we can't come right away. But I want to be over there. I don't want to be coming from behind. I want to be over there. I got in my car. I drove 20 minutes. I was on the way there, halfway there. My phone, as you guys maybe know from my first episode, I'm going to mention my phone's always on Do Not Disturb. If you ever call me, you're not in my friend group, <laughs> you're getting right to voicemail. So my phone, unfortunately, her stepmother called and it went right to voicemail as I was driving. And she called my wife and told my wife that her dad had just passed away. He was gone. I was on the interstate going 75 miles an hour. I obviously had to pull over the car and console my wife. And that's one of my regrets that I didn't answer that call. Cause I had told her stepmom, when that call comes through, we had talked extensively. I said, I want to get that call so that I can give her that news because I don't want you just to tell her because I know how she'd react. I wanted to be able to do that for her. And I, I'm sorry that I missed the call, but nevertheless, I was able to be there for her in that moment. But imagine that, imagine losing someone as you're on the way to go say goodbye. I hate Thursdays and I hate Sundays. That's a memory that I will always have. And my only regret is that I couldn't get her there sooner. I just wish I could have got her there because I know how much that would have meant to her. And I'm sorry. And again, in life, I blame myself a lot. (laughs) I give myself too much credit for, for being wrong. I don't give myself enough grace. Sometimes I, I overanalyze. I beat myself up and it's changed me into the person that I am today. Everybody is grieving. Some of us are grieving differently. You may be fine for a couple of weeks out of nowhere. Something you smell, something you'll watch, something you see reminds you of that person. You might see someone posting on social media pictures of someone that passed and thinking, well, why? They keep reminding themselves of this. If it's if it's you if you've never lost someone, if you're not grieving, you can't understand, you can't relate, show love, consideration for how someone may grieve. I know people who grieve by not, they say they won't ever go to a funeral. They can't stand to see someone like that. I respect that too. Me, I need to say my goodbyes. But I understand someone saying, hey. I'd rather not see you in that casket. I'd rather not see you that way. I need to face this grief on my own. Don't judge that person either because we all grieve differently. We all have different feelings and each loss is different. Remember to love, to be caring, A lot of times when someone dies, we send a sympathy card, but there's a big difference between sympathy and empathy. See, empathy is like if I'm empathetic to you, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and really feel what you feel. But when someone dies, I don't really want to feel what you feel because I don't want to feel that pain. I'm sympathetic. I'm sorry. I want to support you, but I don't want to I don't want to feel what that feels like. I don't want to lose my father. I don't want to lose my best friend, my little sister. But sometimes in order to be able to relate and understand someone going through that, you have to try to be as empathetic as humanly possible to understand what that person may have met to who they lost. Who? Who? who. Every per- You may have a teacher. You may have a parent. You may have a coworker. You may have... Someone you went to school with. Grief can affect all of us in different ways. But the only way to really cope with it, as I mentioned earlier, is just to to cope, to, to grieve. You have to grow through what you go through, including losing someone and how that may affect you mentally. The toll it might take on your emotions and your feelings. and be there for the people you love the most. I'll end it this way, that what prompted this episode was, this Monday was May 10th, 14 years to the day that I lost my friend. And every year for like a good decade plus, um, since I've been able to drive, which has been about 11 or 12 years legally at least, I go to my friend's mother, her restaurant. She owns a popular restaurant in the area. She's been expanding as of late. As a side note, she was she was featured on a TV episode on HGTV. I can't remember the, the name of the show, but it was an episode about saving her business because her business had gone down because she was so depressed about losing her daughter, and she was going through so many things financially that she almost gave up on her business and someone was able to come through and save her business and now it's thriving. She has two restaurants opening her third. But nevertheless, I come in, I drop flowers off, I drop a card. And sometimes, most times she's not there. I've gone to her house personally, but most times she's not there. She might be out, not there at the time I drop it off. There's a place in her restaurant where it's, it's a picture for daughter. There's a, a, a flower vase, I always leave it there, take a picture of it. Last year, because of the pandemic, Her business was closed and it was a pandemic early on, could not visit. So one of the things I've been doing as part of my faith was writing letters um, to two different ones to witness from the scriptures about my faith. Well, I wrote her a letter, sharing some scriptures to encourage her, to build her up, make her feel great. Let her know that I was thinking of her, that I couldn't visit her in person, but she was on my mind. And. That was 2020. So this year, I go by, I visit. I get my little flower vase. I'm looking forward to it. I walk in, and she just happened to be walking past the the bar area, right near where her daughter's picture is. And I say, hola, Mr. Cutler. And she sees me. She runs up to me. She hugs me. She says, I got your letter last year and it meant so much to me. I still have it. I keep it nearby and I read it from time to time because it was very important. And she said, a lot of times you stop by. I'm not here on this day. I stay home sometimes. That's why you miss me because on this day, it's tough for me because it's always around Mother's Day. Her birthday is in a few days after that. So it was a tough time that she lost her daughter right around Mother's Day. Her birthday is around the corner, literally a few days after, I believe on the 12th or 13th. So it was a tough day. So that's why sometimes she's not there because she can't stand to be there that day. But she told me that she knew that I'd come That day, she didn't know when, she didn't know what time, but she wanted to be there. She let me take a picture of her smiling, holding the flowers. And I've got to tell you, that made my day, that made my week, that made my year. And I told her, hey, (laughs) as long as I'm breathing, I will be here in person every May 10th. As long as I can. And if I can't be here in person, you'll get a bouquet. And if you don't get one, come look, because I, be, <laughs> I might be gone. I'll never let your daughter's memory go. I will keep her alive, and my thoughts and my prayers and my memories keep you and your family alive, your other children. She has two beautiful other children. So the story ends well that she knows that somebody out there still cares. 14 years later from the age of 14 going on 15, just a few months from her 15th birthday to where she would have been 29 years old in a few months in August, I will not forget you. You changed my life. You made me more caring, more loving, more protective. I finally forgave myself, maybe last year. But even though I forgave myself, I'll never forget you. I'll never forget how you, here I am trying to impact others' lives, you impacted my life, Patricia De La Torre. I love you. I miss you. Hold on to the ones you love. Grieve the the way you want to grieve. Don't let others tell you how you're going to grieve. Take your time to grieve. Take the time to tell the ones that you care about the most, that you love them, before you're unable to tell them or they're unable to listen. Love. Love appreciate good grief going there talking about it on the mental wealth podcast hey I want to conclude out and uh, since we <laughs> this might have been a depressing episode I don't know <laughs> uh, I don't know if some tears were shed if, if I sounded emotional it was just the dust mites in the room you know what that is right uh, gotta leave you all with some affirmations I want to start with this one uh, this is in harmony with a message I think I spoke about in episode 3 about character right And it kind of goes in harmony with the discussion today Because, you know, when you're gone That's really all you have left People may destroy your image Stain your personality But they can't take away your good deeds Because no matter how they describe you You will still be admired By those who really know you better They can say whatever they want to say They can paint whatever picture they want to paint of you But the people who know you Emphasis on Know you heavy on know you they actually have a real relationship with you and have a bond they know better they know better remember that another thought be the silent watcher of your thoughts and behavior you are beneath the thinker you are the stillness beneath the mental noise you are the love and joy beneath the pain Mm. wow And finally, decide what kind of life you really want, and then say no to everything that isn't that. There's power in saying no. There's power in protecting your peace, even if it makes other people feel uncomfortable. Remember that. I want to conclude out to remind you guys about thinking about helpful resources that your job, if you are a working individual, may offer you regarding mental health. Um, This is Mental Health Awareness Month. I'm going to share with you some things that my job, my career, I won't mention the name of the company, but that they mentioned throughout this month that they provide and your company may provide something similar. Uh, access to an app called Headspace that helps with meditation, mindfulness, guided exercise that you can access. We get a free membership and it's a user-friendly platform. They're doing a lunch and learn event on Thursday, uh, the 13th. Uh, to discuss protecting your mental health learning about more resources and wellness events, mental and physical. Resources for living. They have an employee assistance program that gives us wellness forms with the mental health professionals to give us tips on managing our feelings, assessing resources. And also, um, myself and members of my household have access to free counseling with a mental health professional. The resources for living. I can talk to a counselor via phone, text, chat, video, or even face-to-face for up to eight sessions per topic per year, including financial stress with a financial coach. And then finally, uh, Teladoc. We have access to mental health through Teladoc. These are behavioral health specialists that are available to speak with us via web, phone, or mobile app. So lots of resources that I didn't even know. I mentioned this on my very first episode. I didn't know until a few months ago that my company offered these. And I will be the first to say that I'm actively in therapy, seeing somebody to talk about how I feel. And it's been helpful. And if you're struggling with something, do not be too arrogant or too prideful to think that you could that talking to someone won't help you. It can't hurt you. Try it. See if your job offers similar resources and take advantage of it, particularly if it's free. What do you have to lose? At the very least, if you don't work for a company that offers such resources, keep in mind the suicide um, prevention line is there to help. Um, abuse, um, if you're in you know, a domestic abuse type of situation, um, alcoholism, just different things. I mean, you can Google that. I don't have all those numbers handy, but there's different things, different hotlines that are 24 7 that will talk to you and help you through different situations if you are on uh, the edge or the ledge, as it were. Utilize those resources, guys. Um, They're there for you to help you uh, to get you through. And so thank you guys so much uh, for continuing to support as well. Um, I I mentioned in my little non-episode that it's been refreshing seeing many people who maybe have been silenced before about their mental health kind of just take um, be free, whether it's I don't give myself the full credit for that. Some have reached out and told me they appreciate what I'm doing. But many have on their own are seeing more conversations being held and had about mental health awareness. And it's OK to not to be OK. Continue to have that conversation, hashtag it, preach it from the tallest building in the world. I see some making Instagrams about mental health and and posting a lot and following self-help pages. I love to see it because I want to see more people have that conversation. My goal is just to be one of many who are having that conversation. and My platform will be used for those who want to have that conversation with me and want to listen to me facilitate that conversation. But I don't want to be the only one. I want to continue to look for many others so that I can continue to be taught and educated and learn more about the community. We all win when we come together and show love. So I look forward to continue to see that and support. Reach out to me at the mental underscore wealth podcast on Instagram, slide in our DMs, give us suggestions, tips, feedback. If you wanna join an episode or have something that you like to share, a story, um, a message, anything, reach out. I- I'm definitely looking for collaborations. I'm actively working on a couple of special things in the coming weeks and months anyway. Um, their feedback has been amazing. And I just want to thank you guys so much. Remember to love, to care, and to be genuine from the heart. I'm DJ Jazzy J and this is the Mental Wealth Podcast.